Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Jake in the Paint podcast. Today, I'm joined by a very special guest, former camp counselor, Reed Wallach. He's at Wisco right now. He's a senior, writes diehard Nets fan, writes for Nets Daily, and just an overall huge NBA guy. And ever since he heard about the podcast over the, over the summer, he kind of, we tried to make it work and it's been tough in my basketball season, but really glad to have you on. This should be fun. Yeah, this is a long time coming, Jake. I've been asking for well over a year, it feels like. I finally need to get a hold of you. Yeah, I mean, I'm. what can I tell you? I'm a busy man. But <laughs> in, in all seriousness, though, I've really, like, if we if we look back at it, like, since the summer when you approached me with this idea, I've only I've probably only done, like, five or six and probably two that haven't been coaches. So don't worry. You weren't too far down on the guest list. All right. Well, look, I'm here now, so let's make the most of it. For sure. I mean, and this is... Perfect timing with everything going on. We're one day away from the NBA trade deadline. deadline we're less than a day. We're less than a, less day, than a day away, actually. Less than a day away. So it is approximately 21, 20, 20 and a half hours from now. Tomorrow at 3 p.m. Eastern is the official NBA trade deadline. And then about four hours later, the NBA All-Star Draft. So nothing. And All-Star Draft is kind of intriguing to me because I feel like the NBA is such a petty league. Like, Something will happen. Yeah, oh, for sure. There will be some sort of storyline coming out of who LeBron takes, who LeBron doesn't take. 100%. Because, like, the NHL draft used to entertain me, and I know nothing about hockey. So I I always thought, like, if the NBA can do this and LeBron is a captain and we're going to read into all this and we have Twitter investigators, like, something, something will go down. Yeah, now that the NBA has, like, become the most player driven league. Right. They hold so much, so much equity in who they take in a pickup game that means nothing. That you could argue the draft is more entertaining than the game itself, because, like you said, you have these Twitter investigators who are nitpicking every little pick that LeBron makes. You know, if he takes Durant, oh, Durant's going to the Lakers next year, right. and so on and so forth. Yeah, I do think it's funny that on one end it's LeBron who's like the face of everything, especially what's going on with the Lakers right now, like everyone's going to be watching his every move and then the other guy is Giannis who like you can't you no one has anything against Giannis so it's kind of going to be like whoever Giannis takes it's like oh that's great like he's going to take Curry and he'll probably draft Chris Middleton pretty early and yeah then, like he, he's like just there to have fun he's, he's right, there for 100%. Just the humor of it which like it's a funny contrast when well, yeah like when you point it out it's like a very funny contrast of like the two roles in this all-star draft right and so I, I was going to wait till the end to plug your Joe Harris piece, but I did read that on Nets oh, Daily. Thank you. Thank you. And that was my first time writing in a while. Yeah, I was going to say, I was going to say, I haven't seen many links as of late, but I saw on my Twitter feed and dude, the Nets, like from my perspective, I'm a Knicks fan and kind of just looking for like, I, I mean, we call them league pass teams and the Nets are like pretty entertaining to watch. Oh yeah. I mean, absolutely. I, I This could become a whole Nets podcast if you wanted yeah. to, because I could go on for hours on them. But like, the short selling point is that this is a well-coached, motivated team that is what started out as a group of cast-offs. You know, D'Angelo Russell was kind of exiled out of Los Angeles, and he ended up in okay, Brooklyn. Yeah. And now that he has really found himself and found this role as an all-star now, the mm-hmm. Nets have really grown into this great team. They shoot a bunch of threes, they play fast-paced, and they play for each other, which... You know, you look at the bottom of the Eastern Conference, you see teams like the Hornets, the Pistons. They have their middling veterans, while the Nets are all younger guys who are starting to fill their roles and such. And it's really been a perfect fit. And 
now heading into the summer, they're likely going to make the playoffs and they have a lot of cap space. So I think that this is a big summer for them in terms of possibly acquiring another all-star level talent. Mm -hmm. They have several picks in this year's draft that they could package to move around for certain things. I think that there's a lot of upside on this team. And right now I'm just, I'm living the dream right now as a Nets fan. It's great to see that people are starting to recognize that this is a good, a good well-coached team that, they're playing hard night tonight, so even when they're losing, I'm not as disappointed. You know, it's I'm just there because I enjoy, you know, they're playing well. They're trying their best. Very rarely are they going to get blown out and drop a real dud. Yeah, for sure. No, for sure. And the point I want to bring up when we were talking about the All-Star game, how, before we get to all the deadline stuff, I just have one quick question to open up for you. How confident are you with in Joe Harris for the three-point contest? Because oh, he's, he's a lot. Absolutely, he's he's a lighting lot. it up. Yeah, yeah sure. I think he's so he, underestimated right now. Yeah, he has. Well, first, I was afraid he was going to get snubbed because it seemed like they were going for more star Agreed. power. But now Agreed. there's 10 people in it. There's 10 people in it. So to me, that seems like a little too. That's a few too many guys. But I mean, look, I'm not mm-hmm. complaining. But yeah, I mean, Joe Harris's shot is perfect for a three point contest like this. Like, of course, it's going to be tough to beat Steph Curry, Devin Booker yeah. and company. <laughs> But he has that quick shot that, you know, he could really, if he gets into a rhythm, he could hit seven, eight in a row. So I think that he has a real good shot of kind of shocking some people. And, you know, I could see him quietly, like, taking it a little bit more serious than some other guys and really trying to, like, mm-hmm. make a name for, sure. for himself here. So I'm excited to see him in it. Yeah, I, I, I was with you on that first point because I feel like there were some rumors it could have only been four or six and we had already heard, like, they wanted the storylines of both Curry's and then Booker was going to come back and then they had Dirk. So there's already four guys. And like, if we're talking about two guys to fill a three-point contest, Joe Harris didn't really come up as a guy that would fill those roles, even if he's shooting, what, at 47 or 48? Just uh, ridiculous it was, number. yeah, it was 48 a few days ago, but he has had, he's kind of battling this bad hip of late. He missed their game Monday yeah. against Milwaukee, but he's playing tonight against Denver. Right now he's now shooting... 45% from three, which is still top five in the league, okay, especially yeah. on okay. five attempts a game. I mean, he's automatic. So too. that'd be amazing if he could shock the world and get the Nets even more love. Yeah, for sure. I'm, I'm very interested to see that. So, of course, deadline approaching. And I don't know about you. I doubt. Were you up when this whole trade was going down? I was not. I woke up. I was when I woke up to, this morning. I, I was about to fall asleep, ready to roll over, and I got my Woj notification. And two of my roommates actually are diehard Sixer fans. So really? they jump okay. out of bed. Everyone's my whole apartment now is up and we're talking about the trade. And I mean, now the dust has settled, I could like kind of think about it more rationally. But right. I kind of like it for both sides if you look at it through the mm-hmm. right prism. I think that hundred percent. You know, if you're Philly, you're getting this borderline, maybe snubbed all-star in Tobias Harris, mm-hmm. who's been fantastic this year. No doubt about it. He's averaging over 20 a game, seven boards, nearly three assists no, on four. Yeah. Uh, yeah. He's, 40, he's good. Four, yeah. 49% from the field, 43 from three. I mean, he's a, he's a real big time player. And yeah. you could say that Philly gave up maybe a little too much to get him because he can walk this year, this, this summer. Yeah. But I think it's a worthwhile, calculated gamble by them. And maybe they see that this Eastern Conference, you know, Boston's kind of 
coming to, coming away at the seams. You have mm-hmm. Milwaukee, who's good, but you don't really know what they are yet. Toronto, of course, mm-hmm. solid, but you don't again a beatable team. I think Elton Brand and the Philly front office saw this as an opportunity. Let's get better. Let's yeah become probably outside the Warriors the best starting five in all of basketball. Agreed. We'll worry about depth a little later, but let's go in right now and take advantage of this opportunity. I think that it's a worthwhile risk. Yeah, no, I completely agree with you. I mean, you hit on all the Philly points. The one point that when I first saw it, I was like, because I, I was like, I mean, of course, if they do end up keeping Simmons and Bede, which I mean, which it looks like they want to do Simmons and Bede, Butler and Harris now. Um, Bobby Marks from ESPN was tweeting that they're probably going to have close to either 120, 130 million wrapped up in those four guys, which is a lot of money considering what the salary cap is. Mm-hmm. But I mean, I think you're completely spot on. I mean, you, the Celtics are struggling. Toronto's good, but they're beatable. And they, Elton Brand props to him for being aggressive. I mean, this is the second time this year that they saw an opportunity to add a very high level player to the team. And I think. Yeah, I'm given the circumstances though, because Tobias Harris was probably going to walk from the Clippers and they probably weren't going to want to pay him the max money that someone else probably would have given him. So I guess you could say that was the only negative from a Philly standpoint, but also Jimmy Butler's first team all diva in the NBA and he could wake up and decide he wants to go. So then I think Tobias Harris gives them great cover as either a third or fourth option moving forward. Yeah, that's a great point. I was thinking of that kind of subplot also this mm-hmm. morning, like kind of after I like settled in on like what was happening, you right. know, there's a chance that they now have the Sixers now have an opportunity. If one guy walks, you still have a very formidable big three. I mean, I've never been higher on Embiid. I think he is so special, so, so talented. Yeah. And, you know, if Jimmy Butler says, listen, I'm not getting the ball enough, too many mouths to feed here. I'm going to, go to my next team, which I don't mm-hmm. think is the best decision for him. But regardless, let's just say that happens. You right. lock up Tobias Harris on a max level, maybe a little bit under that max contract. If you get, to take, get him to take mm-hmm. a little discount, yeah. that's still a formidable roster. And you give yourself a little flexibility to kind of replenish that bench because another step I think that's going to be taken in the next 20 hours is I think that Markel Fultz will eventually be moved for some bench help in Philadelphia, yeah. because it seems like, you know, they still have Jonah Bolden. They still have some pieces mm-hmm. on the bench that can help them, but they need some more help, especially in the backcourt. If you could trade Fultz for Terrence Ross, for Garrett right. Temple, two expiring contracts, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. I could see that working out for both sides, you know, because mm-hmm, their sure. clock has changed. You know, they're now in win now mode. They're not trying to develop more Kyle Fultz anymore. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, that, I think that's a great point. I do love TJ McConnell, though. One of my favorite glue guys in the league right now. But, yeah, but I, I mean, think that, that you still need another guy on the wing. Oh, no, no. Kind of the sure. backup, I mean, the Butlers and the Reddicks, you know, because in the playoffs, yeah, you now have your five where you're going to war with those five in Harris, Butler, Simmons, and Beat and Reddick. But you need a few guys to fill in the rest of the minutes. And, you know, they gave up Shamet, who's been playing very well. Muscala, who he's hasn't been really great, but another good. body. They got back yeah. Mike Scott, who's been in the playoffs before. He could play a little bit. Boban, eh, not really a playoff guy. Yeah. He's more of like a character. So I think that... <laughs> he is a character. Though. Yeah, so I think that there's now an opportunity for the, six, the Sixers to finally cash in on whatever value Markel Fultz has left and right. 
get some more bench help in a veteran wing, which would really fill a need. And they also have yeah. to be available on the market. I do. I would like that just from a Maryland perspective, honestly, because people that aren't hardcore NBA guys and aren't from around here, they kind of wrote Markel Fultz off and forgot about him. And not that that hasn't happened a little bit around here, but he went to DeMatha and he was like the official homegrown product. Like everyone heard the stories he played JV at DeMatha really grew in the system. And I mean, I'm pretty close with some of the DeMatha players and I have a good relationship with the coach and they take so much pride in his game. And so I would enjoy a change of scenery for him. Maybe he can kind of fill into it into a new role and kind of find himself a little bit obviously hasn't played up to his number one pick title so far but i would like to see a change of scenery for him on that yeah i think more than anything a change of scenery will help him and make him it it, more comfortable maybe maybe he just couldn't handle this i don't really understand what is wrong with him but ultimately Mm -hmm. he's still number one pick he has tons of upside and i think someone will bite and i think that now is the time i don't think the sixers are done I don't think so. Okay. And I think that, you know, we don't need to get into the Eastern Conference hierarchy right now. But, I mean, Philly has a real shot at doing this thing with that five. I mean, and then was, even so, an- they probably pose the biggest threat to the Warriors now, in my opinion. You know, they beat them. Yeah. Was that last weekend? Yeah, last Thursday yeah, they yeah. beat them. And, 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 Bede and now Embiid was like they, 8 of 24, and they still won. Mm-hmm. And – now they added another near all-star. I mean, they are ready to go, and I'm excited to see what Philly can do. Because like I said, I'm a huge Embiid guy. Yeah, I mean, Embiid's an absolute character. I've always loved Simmons. I think his IQ and vision, this, just the stuff he sees is off the charts. I think it's so fun to watch. Obviously, he, his playoff struggles are kind of lingering in everyone's head when Boston kind of figure out how to limit the transition offense and all that stuff. So he's going to have to have things to prove when they get back in the playoffs this year. but. I mean, I think you put it best. I, they, I would. That was my next question to you. I think they're probably with all the stuff that's going on with the Celtics, the Warriors' biggest threat now with that with all that talent. Yes, I I would have said before this trade. I still think Boston finds a way to the finals. I think that there's mm-hmm. just too much talent on that team, and I think that there are too many little flaws in Milwaukee and Toronto. I just think in a seven game mm-hmm. series, Boston with Kyrie Irving will figure it out. But I mean, after this trade. I think that this trade deadline is arguably going to change the rest of the NBA landscape with or without oh, Anthony wow. Davis getting traded. That's kind mm-hmm. of another point, which I assume we'll get to in a little bit, but for you sure. look we'll at, definitely get to it. you look at if Toronto or Boston don't make the Eastern conference finals now at minimum, you're looking at one of those guys probably walking away. Cause they're just not satisfied with the results that they're getting, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that again, will just open up a lot of, possibilities around the league with the other side of the trade, the Clippers opening up max cap space and acquiring assets with both teams in New York having max cap space. And then the incumbent teams possibly losing out on a superstar that they risk to get, you know, if Boston loses Kyrie Irving, this whole rebuild kind of goes up in full uh, in flames. You know, the Nets picks sure they turned into Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown and whatnot, but Kyrie Irving walks. He was the centerpiece of it. Toronto, mm-hmm. you gave up on, you know, you're given duo in Lowry and DeRozan. And if Lowry, if Leonard walks, you're kind of stepping all the way back. So, you know, there's a lot on the line in the Eastern Conference more so than the Western Conference this year in terms of the future of the league hanging in the balance. And 
it's incredibly entertaining to watch. It is a crazy back and forth. Every day there's a new report and, you know, there's a lot of things lingering and it's interesting to see. Yeah, I completely agree. And I think we, I want to get to this point eventually. What a job by the Clippers though, in this deal. I mean, Tobias Harris, everyone knew he probably wanted max money and the Clippers were going for a couple for one, maybe two max free agents. So it didn't, and it didn't look like they wanted to max him out per se. So to be able to move him at the deadline when he could easily walk this summer to get two ones and a nice piece in Shamit and two twos, was it they also got? Yeah, two twos, a protected first from Philly. And what I think is incredibly valuable, the Miami unprotected 2021 pick, which I think is incredibly yeah, valuable. Too. So, yeah, they did, they did a very nice job. Yeah, I think, I mean, and they've made a couple moves, the draft maybe reached a little bit for Jerome Robinson, but that's Shea Gilchrist-Alexander pick. I loved it on draft night, and he just, I like him a lot. He just does new shit every, like, he just figures something out every time. Like, his finishes, his pull-ups, he's just, he's so calm, and I think, look, him and Shamit isn't the all-star young backcourt that with the big names that some people would get enamored by, but I think those are definitely them two compared with the cap space that could increase if they move Gallinari's contract. I think that's a nice little... I mean, they have a roadmap to success when oh, absolutely. it's not going to be next and, year. I but mean, you look at who's at the soon. top of this organization right now, who's pressing all the mm-hmm. buttons. Jerry West, once again, he helped build the Warriors years ago when they you know, started to put together this dynasty. And now he is putting the Clippers in a position where they are going to have control of their own destiny. And yeah. they have an owner that's committed in Steve Ballmer. They have a very formidable young core. I mean, I think if they call Dell, if Jerry West calls Dell Dems tomorrow or Lawrence Frank, whoever makes the phone calls there and calls Dell Dems and says, listen, I'll give you Shea Gilges, the Miami pick, one of our picks and someone like Montrez Harrell. Mm-hmm. Let's do this for Anthony Davis. Let's do this right now. I think that that is a, if the Pelicans want to end this whole melodrama with Anthony Davis, they want to get out of it. They don't and They kind of want to stick it to the Lakers. The, yeah. the Pelicans take that deal. That is a very good deal. That is a building block point guard, a upstart mm-hmm. big man, and two very nice picks, and maybe another piece as well. You know, mm-hmm. I think that is a very possible thing. I don't know if they're going to move that quickly, but, I mean, it's possible. Yeah. Oh, I completely agree. And this is a good segue into the Anthony Davis, and I want to get the Clippers-Sixers trade out of the way first because I, this Anthony Davis thing, could, we could talk about this forever. Um, and also but, nothing so before, might come of it in a little bit. Also <laughs> that. Yeah, also that too. Um, but before we get to the Lakers, because I have a bunch to say about the Lakers in terms of how they've handled it from the front office to LeBron, from the young guys, all that stuff. <clears throat> what other offers? And the Clippers, that Clippers offer is, again, kind of an offer that guy, people aren't really thinking about right now. What are, this, what are some other offers? I mean, someone mentioned an offer with that Toronto could put out there with Ananobi, Siakam, and maybe Van Vliet, and that a Clippers offer. What other offers do you think the Pelicans should look to entertain before they really lock in on this, really lock in on calling back the Lakers per se, like Magic wants them to do? Yeah, I mean, there are definitely a few teams that I think Anthony Davis might not sign, re-sign with, at least right now, mm-hmm. but do have the means and the position in the league right now to make a deal like this. You said Toronto. I agree there. I think they have a nice 
chest of assets to give up mm-hmm. if they wanted to make a move for Anthony Davis. And then also, I think Denver. Why won't yeah. Denver make yep. this move? You 100%. know, you I, you look at their roster right now. They have a lot of young pieces that could make it happen. Like an enigma like Michael Porter Jr., who I'm actually very high on if he could ever get on the floor. But yeah. if New Orleans wants to start at a rebuild, you start with a guy who hasn't even played yet. You have guys like Malik Beasley, Monty Morris, who are cheap, mm-hmm. younger guys. Will Barden's on a controlled contract now, but he's a nice piece. If it got to a point, I wouldn't throw in Jamal Murray. I think that that's kind yeah, of where I you draw the line it. in the sand. But again, yeah, that's, that's another asset. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, I d- yeah, that's that's the tough that's the tough one in terms of the Nuggets because when you get to a point where the Lakers are gonna put Ball, Kuzma, and Ingram on the table, maybe come July first, even though he said he doesn't want to play there, maybe Danny Age throws Jason Tatum on the table. Mm-hmm. The the Nuggets can offer. I mean, I, Michael Porter was number one on my draft board last year. I think he's crazy talented. It's just a matter of him getting healthy. Monty Morris probably got snubbed from the Rising Stars game for Kevin Knox, but we don't even want to talk about that. <laughs> Kevin Knox is wildly overrated. And don't get me started on that. But and I do think if the Nuggets really want to get this deal done, they would probably have to throw in a name like Jamal Murray as the centerpiece. Which yeah, would be, definitely. Which would be tough for them to do because they're really on the rise right now. Yeah, I mean, I am all over Denver stock, but I don't know if they could get it done in the playoffs yet. But I think if you make mm-hmm. a move for Anthony Davis – a Davis joke itch front court is incredibly fun to watch yeah. and mm-hmm. still you're able to space the floor and you, you know, you get Davis on the defensive end to make up for some of Jokic's flaws. And I mean, again, just mm-hmm. so young. And again, I think that teams should be more willing to trade for this type of uh, disgruntled star. You look at Kawhi Leonard, you look at Paul George, right. uh, Kawhi Leonard, not yet, point. but Toronto took the risk that Oklahoma city mm-hmm. made when they traded for Paul George and it worked out for them. They now have arguably a first team all NBA player right now who, you know, is carrying their team to a playoff berth, you know, Mm -hmm. and I could understand that Rich Paul is playing hardball. I can understand that he, Anthony Davis wants to go to LA. I get all that, but you know, if a team takes a chance, you have 18 months to sell a guy and with a team as good as Denver right now, they're the number one seed in the West, I believe, still, right? If not, they're right there. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to check. I mean, but they're one, they've been one and two with Golden yeah, State. Yeah. So that's more or less my argument. You know, you could sell them. You know, this is a stable franchise, one of the more consistent franchises of the past 20 years. I mean, why not bet on yourself and make a move for a guy like Anthony Davis and say, listen, we're going to do this. And then next year, if Kevin Durant leaves, who's the favorite in the West? Very beatable. Yeah. Yeah, completely agree. So they right now they are thirty-seven and sixteen, a half a game back from the Warriors. But okay, OKC is right behind them, and they're three and a half games back from the Warriors. So they've kind of established themselves as one of those top two teams in the West right now. Definitely. So I think they, I think, and look, I forgot who said it. I saw it somewhere over the summer when they, when Paul George opted to resign, and he basically made it public. I'm only going to LA. I'm only going to LA. When he opted to re-sign with OKC, someone said, this is going to change the league. I, I, I'm blanking on who it was, but it was like, this is going to change general manager's mind. mind yeah, I agree. Next five, 10 years because they think they can sell anybody. Absolutely. I think that a team like Denver would be very interesting. But ultimately, to kind of tie this back full circle, it mm-hmm. does seem like 
the Pelicans are willing to wait this out until the summer because they know Danny Ainge will be there with, if not the offer with Jason Tatum, will be there for something close to it. And I think that it's an interesting decision by the Pelicans to make that, to do that and stand pat right now because I think that there is a human aspect to all of this and you could see it affecting the Lakers as well in terms of Mm -hmm. you're going to have Anthony Davis sitting on the bench the whole rest of the year, openly not wanting to be on this team. Is that really the best thing you want for your organization? And, Mm -hmm. you know, uh, these decision makers for the Pelicans, whether it be Dell Demps, whether it be his subordinates, will they even make it to the point where you're going to trade Anthony Davis and survive to see the outcome of it? You know, these guys, right. might, these uh, men and women might be fired right after the deal is done just because ownership mm-hmm. feels they failed them and whatnot. So yeah. do you look at this Lakers offer, which to me is a bit underwhelming, but it is an offer. It's a starting point. Mm-hmm. Do you mm-hmm. say, listen, let's bite the bullet here. Let's get our organization back on track because this whole sideshow is ridiculous and inc- completely unprofessional. And let's get mm-hmm. our team back on track. Let's just get rid of Anthony Davis and let's get the show on the road. Yeah. And mean, not even to LA. You know, just yeah, get it. You, yeah. you just take the offer now. And unfortunately, you don't get to see the best offer from potentially Boston, but you, you, you end this soap opera. You know, it's something similar yeah. to what Denver did, even though it was yeah, a little bit different. A little bit different circumstances, but you know they just are over this whole drama. They just want to. They want to be an organization again. Yeah, I mean, I'm Rich Paul and Clutch Sports. The they've really taken the league by storm. I mean, it was almost like the that tampering fine was like a slap on the wrist, and it, we don't even care. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, he is literally that list that Anthony Davis put out was the one of the greatest PR stunts that I can remember when I was have that I've been like in thoroughly like invested in the NBA because I was always a college kid until a couple of years ago mm-hmm. but for him to put okay I'm going to resign with the Lakers because that's where he wants to go the Knicks even everyone knows he would resign with the Knicks because it's a huge market but everyone also knows the Knicks don't have the assets to trade right now and they only have a 14% chance at landing the guy that would even bring them to the table. Yeah. So, and then, oh, let me throw in Milwaukee. So I show I'm not just a big market guy. I'm also a small market guy, even though they have no legit, they have pieces. They have Middleton. I don't even know if they, they wouldn't move him, but Brogdon, Bledsoe, but they don't I don't think the, they would make that, a realistic yeah, offer. They have no, they have no path to yeah. that trade. And then the Clippers, who we said could be a dark horse in the offer, which I don't even know. Maybe you wouldn't mind going to the Clippers. I mean, this was but before think, that Tobias Harris trade, though. So right, that, no, so that was also so, it's so almost like you're calling really his bluff almost. a few days ago, a hundred percent. So I just think that list was so well thought out, planned out. They knew the exact effect it would have, and I think I don't think it scared Danny Ainge away, but I think he was probably a little bit caught off guard that all his moving of the chess pieces has finally caught up to him. Also, don't forget that. There was a report that Anthony Davis's dad said he refuses well, oh, to I, let his I, son. I, yeah. That was that I was mean, just great. Like that was the great. NBA is so it's so petty and so far gone from reality that every little thing is every little thing is said, and the NBA Twitter blows up, and you know Durant doesn't talk to the media anymore. Kyrie says yep, he doesn't yep. owe anyone anything. It's it's just great. I mean, every day it just gets better and better. And as funny as it is. You know, I would 
hope to see Anthony Davis moved at the deadline just so this as like I said, as funny as it is, just like kind of get the show back on the road. You know, it's like just such a yeah. sideshow. And I feel like it just Agreed. takes I away mean, from his value almost. It makes it like this whole thing. It just like I understand LeBron wants to play with him and everyone would be happy to play with him. But like get him back on the floor. You know, he's like a basketball yeah. player. You know what I mean? A hundred percent. Yeah. I mean, I think if they don't deal him to L.A. by the deadline, I mean, I just feel like the Lakers situation right now. I mean, we saw they looked like the biggest shit show to ever like that was insane last night. I mean. The Mo Wagner clip of him getting elbowed yeah. by Lance and the irony of that when LeBron, they were, they were playing on TNT a few months ago in the beginning of the year. And he's like, stay down on the ground, let your brother help you up. And then the irony of that a few months later, I mean, just getting elbowed, going a big man getting elbowed, going up for rebound and then having to dap himself up before he stands up by himself. I mean, it's just hilarious. And then the picture of LeBron sitting four seats down for everybody else. It's just like. I don't know how they recover if they don't get this moved on. Yeah, I mean, LeBron said when he signed with LA, he's like going to take the high road. He's going to take the long way around. He's going to develop with these mm-hmm. guys. You know, he's here for four years. He's committed to this franchise. And then it's January and he already kind of bailed on that whole promise. And he's already right. out on trying to recruit stars, which, you know, it shows the type of competitor he is. But it also shows that LeBron, as much as he is this consummate teammate, and, you know, this is no disrespect to him, but like, He's so competitive, and he he has this aura about him. He needs the best players with him, which is fine, but he also burns all the franchises he leaves to a crisp. You know, look at Cleveland. They're left with no one just because, like, LeBron had to max out Tristan Thompson, had them, you know, sign his buddies and stuff, and now they have no real Mm -hmm. avenue out for the next few years. So, yeah, I mean, but it's just interesting to me. They're going to probably end up firing Luke Walton, it seems like. He's, it mm-hmm. just seems like it's getting away from them. And, you know, the repercussions of these rumors are starting to, you know, show in, in, on the floor. You know, they just lost by 42 mm-hmm. points last night to Indiana, who has been, yeah, who's been floundering for the, since Oladipo got hurt. So, you know, these guys are clearly, it's clearly bothering them. And let's say you don't trade for Anthony Davis by tomorrow. What is the fall? What's the fallout of that? And how do you go forward for the next, for this playoff push, you know, they're not in the playoffs right yeah, now. How does nope. LeBron get this team to sit down and say, listen, I understand what happened, but, you know, we got to be mature men about this. You know, this is a business. I like whatever he has to say to spin this in his direction, but he's got to get his guys back on his side because they are not playing for each other right now. And I, yeah, unfortunately, I, mean, I think it ends with Walton getting fired, which I think will be wrong. And then mm-hmm. they're going to put in like Mark Jackson, who it just, that's ridiculous. <laughs> but I mean, you know, this is this is how it's going to go, and it just seems very imminent to Cleveland. And you know, but he's three, four years older now, and yeah, you know, what happens? Like, I think that the fallout of this trade not happening is more important than the than the trade actually happening. If that makes sense, if my, yeah. my logic yeah, makes yeah. sense. I mean, no, that was my point in even bringing this up in the first place. Like, you almost want, like, you almost want to make a trade for someone now, just to like cha- get these guys out of there because they are over it. Yeah, 100%. I have I had two points to make. The main point I wanted to make is I mean, you brought up the fact that the offer is probably underwhelming. I'm I'm probably a little bit higher based on we haven't talked about it that much, but I'm probably a little bit higher on those younger guys. I think oh, so like who, a service Yeah, who level. are you who are you high on? Cuz I'm high on I'm high on one, low on the other and like 
even keeled on the other on on the third. So I think I I've always been a huge Lonzo guy since high school. Mm-hmm. I thought he just had a gift that that doesn't come around very often. Granted, he can't really score the ball, but I think if he can find his way as like get up that I mean the free throw look he has some things that are inexcusable. That free throw percentage is inexcusable. It's four yeah it's forty one percent percent. That's just bad. Forty and he's not and he's getting to line once a game. Mm-hmm. So he's essentially getting fouled. One at once every two games, which yeah. is insane. So that obviously he needs to fix, maybe add a few more tricks in his arsenal to put the ball in the basket. But I think he has a gift and an IQ that you can't really teach. And then I think Kuzma again, I mean, Kuzma is, is he a good stats, bad team guy, or can he really translate to winning? Because we know he doesn't really play a lot of defense. He's not the greatest facilitator, but he can put the ball in the bucket. So I would say the problem with grouping those three together as like your young core is that Ingram? i mean ingram definitely has i would say the highest ceiling out of all of them but even when he's at his best it's all mid-range pull-ups which as we know unless you're kd that's a pretty inefficient shot in today's nba Mm. i mean i'm highest on kuzma i think kuzma is Mm -hmm. your prototypical three stretch four nowadays that's just I see. Yeah. I, you know, this is more me going off the eye test. I've watched my fair share of Lakers mm-hmm. games this year with and without LeBron. And I just see, yeah. I see if one of these guys is going to be an all star, I think it's Kuzma. I think he has yeah. the, he has the potential to be an efficient 20 and seven guy in the league. That's how I mm-hmm. see it. Yeah. You know, that's fair. And when I look at Ingram, yes, he has the talent. Yes, he'll have those games where he goes for, you know, 30. And he could dish out eight assists. I get that. But I just watch him sometimes and I just can't get it out of my head that this guy is no more than your empty stats starting yeah. like almost in the Jeff Green mold when he was younger. Mm-hmm. Like just an average player. He could pop off a few times every now and then. But ultimately his ceiling is empty 20 points, you know, no real explosion. It just doesn't have that takeover ability that I think a guy like Kuzma mm-hmm. can have. And then when yeah. it comes to Lonzo, I still like Lonzo. I believe I believe that there's a place for him because I grew up – Jason Kidd's my favorite player. The game's changed significantly, but I think that there is a ch- – he's still only 21 years old, I think. You know, Yeah, the, around there. The ship hasn't sailed. You know, and the mm-hmm. same could be said for Ingram. You know, it's not like – like these guys are so young. The ship hasn't sailed. You know, I could still see Lonzo. He's a good defender. He's big. He's fast. You know, he's still a serviceable point guard. He just has to work on his shot. And, you know, I'm not done, but I do see kind of a a ceiling on him, though. You know, I don't see him getting, like, you know, a a 25-point breakout with, like, nine assists. It just doesn't seem like he's that type of player, which is fine. But I could see how that Mm -hmm. underwhelms the Pelicans, not to mention his dad. But, like... Yeah, I mean, LeVar's Adam's Yeah, and then this is kind of just a tangent, but, you know, we're talking about guys, three guys who are in their second year or Ingram's in his third year. And, you know, they're all under 20, 22, 23 years old, however old they are, but they have like a limited sample size. And you look at a guy like D'Angelo Russell, who's jetsoned from LA so quickly. And now he's in Brooklyn. And at 22, he's an all-star. You know, it's almost like Mm -hmm. these guys enter the league at such a young age that you are kind of wired as a person to judge them and say, okay, this guy isn't good. This guy is good. You know, so like there is time for these guys to change. But I could see why New Orleans is underwhelmed 
buy these buy a package of this three and then some other pieces. I could see it. Yeah, I mean, I I completely understand that. Um, what I what I meant by saying like in, a highest on Ingram is I do feel like if one of them is going to be an All NBA guy, it would be Ingram if he can put it all together. Yeah, but I, yeah, I think of course. Now Kuzma has obviously shown that he is the most productive out of the three, so he is the highest floor out of the three for sure. I mean, I I saw a tweet and it said. Brandon Ingram's either the next Kevin Durant or China League MVP. There's no in between. And yeah, it was exactly. like, I could see. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Like that, you couldn't put it any perfect, like any more perfect than that. So I, I, I can see how it is underwhelming, but I do think if the Pelicans decide to move him before the deadline, despite all the support that we've been hearing against doing that within the organization, I think it would be that look. We just can't afford to have the best player we've ever had in our franchise sitting on the bench for the next three months. Yeah. And I, yeah, I mean, like I said before that point, you know, I just think that there's an human aspect of these things that end up ruining a franchise and you just don't want to, you don't want to ruin what's going Like you don't want to ruin any sort of semblance the Pelicans have as a franchise and you don't want this to drag out to the summer. And then there's the point that's been mentioned, you know, on Twitter I don't believe this would happen, but there's a chance that if Kyrie walks, that might change the Celtics' whole offer. And then the Lakers all of a sudden have this leverage where they could say, well, actually, we're only going to give you two of the three. And like, yeah. you know, a second round pick. You know, that's just how the world changes, you know, and leverage yeah. changes. So I, I'm interested to see what happens tomorrow. I think that there ultimately will be another opportunity for Magic to appease them and, you know, satisfy the Pelicans. and. I just think that there's too much bad blood between them for it to actually happen. Yeah. I do want to make one final point, though, before we do move on from Mm -hmm. this. When LeBron, and again, if LeBron wants to go your team, you don't say no. That's just a given. Like He's interested in you. You put the contract on the table and hope he signs it. But when LeBron did sign with the Lakers, I did feel like there was some sort of disconnect. Not only the age, the generational thing, but like, the disconnect between, okay, LeBron, so he has, he's on a four-year deal, but how much longer can he keep being this in like monster, like made in the lab in the playoffs that he just carries teams? Maybe two or three more years? I don't think you're going to see that in the fourth year of this deal. And so he's now joining a team with Lonzo, who he said in his second year, probably not ready. Kuzma didn't round out his game, probably not ready to play in a playoff series. And Ingram, definitely not ready to contribute in a playoff series. So he was do, jo- already joining the team, and he's in full win now mode, probably on the towards declining from his peak, but still in a very like he's the second he's the best player in the world right now, and that's no doubt. Yeah, he's, so st- he's just, still the, he's still the best player in the world, and you know right. not to cut you off, but if if no. he had to turn it off for a playoff series, I mean we saw it last year. He he still can, you know, he's not done yeah. yet. It just if this team. How like how far is this team really going in the playoffs? A team full of and this is why I have sympathy for Luke Walden. Obviously, they need, they need a scapegoat for the shit show that's going on right now. But Luke Walden was handed a team full of young guys who need to play and develop. LeBron James, who the best player in the world, but also one of the hardest players to deal with in terms of he knows so much about the game that he always has his input and he always wants to put the right guys around him. And then guys full of expiring deals that are also hot up and down personalities. A guy like Lance Stevenson, JaVale McGee. So Magic Johnson kind of handed Luke Walton this 
erratic team and was like, go. And then kind of was annoyed when he wasn't winning all the time, when in reality, the team just wasn't built to compete right now. Yeah, I mean, he the timeline for Luke Walton definitely was expedited once they got LeBron. And, mm. you know, Luke Walton, he was great with the Warriors as an assistant and, you know, filling in for Steve Kerr. And it's just an unfortunate circumstance for him that he's now stuck with half of this young, exciting, kind of upstart team that isn't there yet, and then the best player, arguably, to ever play the game of basketball. So he's kind of between yeah. a rock and a hard place where he's trying to be a coach and teach Lonzo Ball how to run the offense and how to be a floor general. And also, like, mm-hmm. all right, guys, like, it's time for LeBron to, like, get his shots up. Like, you know, we, we need to let LeBron take over here, and he's going to, you know, run this play because, you know, it's LeBron James. So, mm-hmm. you know... He's going to end up being the scapegoat here, but I don't think this has anything to do with Luke Walton, the coach. I think it has to do with Agreed. just a differing skill set in the team. Just the team isn't there yet. If LeBron didn't put this kind of unfair pressure on the young kids and Walton, then this would be a different story. You know, LeBron is taking his time. You know, like they're fighting for the playoffs. They're going to be there. And then maybe this summer go after Durant or Kawhi or someone to join forces. But now he made this whole midseason thing not to mention while he's hurt and on the bench. And it's really just a disaster and a huge firestorm for the team to think about. You know, it's it's putting yeah. the Lakers in a very difficult position here because, you know, the, like I was saying before, the fallout of this trade, if it doesn't go through, is going to be very uncomfortable in that locker room. Like, LeBron's going to have to say yeah, something. I mean, I, I would want to be a fly in that locker room. Yeah, I, sure. I mean, they're already fighting. You know, Rich Paul has clearly just hijacked the media cycle. Yeah. And... <laughs> You know, it's it's really get, it's getting ugly, and I'm really curious to see how it plays out in the next 24 hours. And then if LeBron's going to say something at the end, like, listen, guys, like, yeah. you know, I messed up. You know, let's move on. Let's make the playoffs, and I'll take us from there. Yeah, I mean, I do the, – I, I promise this is the last point, and then we'll move on, and we'll talk some Nets and Knicks. But I do think a part of – a little part of LeBron – I mean, Simmons has been saying this for the past couple months, and he's – Rosillo – brought it up but it's kind of been lingering for a while is that maybe i just have a little feeling that a part of lebron realized that look established all-stars might not want to come to la during the summer so if my pathway to get an all-star that's going to make us competitive is going to cost me luke walton the young guys and cause some turmoil like that's going to be what it's going to be but if we don't get him now in this trade we might strike out in free agency again. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that 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 makes sense, you know, this whole timeline mm-hmm. and how Rich Paul, Anthony Davis, Magic Johnson, how all the characters inside on LeBron's side are acting as if we need Anthony Davis or else this might get away from us in terms of a yep. superstar. Because like, the NBA is now like this arms race where, you know, look, Tobias Harris got traded east. In the middle of the night, two days before the trade deadline, <laughs> you know, and LeBron, there's a new generation of players. LeBron is on the older edge of things, and mm-hmm. he could see that you need two stars at least to make a run at the finals, yeah. to make a run at the Warriors. He needs a Kyrie player with him and then Kevin Love, but, you know, Kyrie was really the guy. You need that type of talent on your team. So, you know, I need Anthony Davis. Like, listen, Kuzma, Ingram, and Lonzo with me, we might be a really solid foursome. We might be really fun and exciting, which they were at the beginning of the year. Mm-hmm. 
But ultimately, that team's mm-hmm. not really going to push the Warriors to the brink. Like, they might take a game or two, but they, it, they won't beat the Warriors when push comes to shove. There's too much talent in the Warriors. They might not even get past yeah, the Thunder I mean, or, you know, whoever. I, yeah, I, I mean, I would probably say that team gets you a five or six seed and has a competitive first-round playoff series because and maybe they win, maybe guys they don't. aren't ready. And, yeah, and maybe they win yeah. and maybe they don't, but that doesn't work for LeBron. That's not how LeBron is wired. Yep. So I think he tried. I think he just realized the landscape and he said, all right, we got to push this forward a little bit. We don't have time to wait for uh, Kemba Walker and maybe Durant in free agency. We got to go now. Let's get Anthony Davis early and we'll re-sign to an extension and you'll have me and AD for the next four years and then I'll have my next thing going. I'll probably be in a bunch of movies. You know, and it just seems that the Pelicans – are playing hardball here saying, listen, we, this is clearly you trying to set this whole thing up for you to get your way. And you're going to leave us screwed. This package doesn't mm-hmm. entice us. We're not just going to like conform and break to your will. You know, we're, we're going to yeah. try and get yeah. the best deal for us, which ultimately just doesn't seem like it's there right now. Yeah. Agreed. I mean, you can't even make this shit up. It's like Rich Paul, the guy who's running the league right now, by putting things out there, leaking things, giving ESPN people quotes through his dad. Maybe AD's yeah. dad said it. Maybe he did. Like, who even knows? And he literally represents Anthony Davis, the player who wants to get traded, and LeBron James, the player who's basically facilitating all this. I mean, you can't even make this up. Yeah, I mean, the collusion going on here is like, it is it's, absurd. It's, it's ridiculous. It's I've never seen anything. It's clear as day that, I mean... LeBron James basically they say he has no vested interest in clutch sports, but he obviously does. He's best friends with Rich Paul. I've just I've ne- like the tea leaves were out there when AD signed with Clutch. You just knew that this was eventually going to come to a head. Just a, this is a little bit sooner yeah. than anyone else, but yeah, you know it just uh, the NBA has to step in at some point and say, listen, uh, like you can't you got to stop doing this. This is like getting a little right. ridiculous. I mean, at at some point, there has to be some sort of line where they draw. I I agree, hundred percent. Um, I think pretty much covered everything on that. Yeah, we really hammered home. (laughs) We we took like all avenues to get through the AD drama because, like I was saying before, there is so so many layers. The like I said, like the future of the NBA is kind of hanging on the rest of the season and the trade deadline and where these stars are going to go. And it's so fascinating. And like, you know, we just spoke for however long about just the Anthony yeah, Davis. probably 20, 25 minutes. The, the potential Anthony Davis, Anthony Davis trade and all parties involved in it. And there's just so many ways where this could pl- play out. It's just, it's gonna, it's crazy to say. I've never seen anything like this. Right. Yeah. So got to talk about your Nets and my Knicks and just the complete disparity between the two New York teams. I mean, it is actually incredible. Tell me, I need, I'm going to need your take on the Porzingis trade, but first, just need to put it out there that the Nets didn't have a pick for how many, four years was it that they gave to the Celtics? Um, it was, I believe, three first rounders and a pick swap. I try to erase that stuff from okay. my, I try so, to erase it we're gonna, from We'll my just brain. go with that. But it panned out as Tatum, Jalen Brown, Brown, Colin Sexton, because it was traded for Kyrie. Okay, yeah. And right. there's one more pick that I'm forgetting. But you keep going and I'll look I mean, it up. Already with those three. That are, yeah, that's like enough. Right. Oh, and and it was James Young who was the other pick, but oh, he's James out Young. he's out James of the league. Young. So right. I guess right. I guess okay. But those three are pretty yeah, bad. It's still 70, 70, 70, either fifty or seventy five percent 
pretty good still. Yeah, okay. And so the Nets basically went, they had nothing, literally nothing, none of their picks, and just had to watch the Celtics over and over again fall into the top five. And somehow, through all that, they are now going to be a playoff team while the New York Knicks have just botched draft pick after botched draft pick, botched free agent signing after botched free agent signing, overpaying guys, striking out on guys, and they just are the same miserable franchise while the Nets kind of hit rock bottom and then jumped right back up before every, before anyone could even blink. How did that happen? Well, I'll, I'll lay this one disclaimer out there just because it's like a fear of mine that like I keep thinking about. The Nets finished the schedule this year with 10 straight playoff teams. There's a world yeah, where I, they do miss the playoffs. I don't think it's possible because I just don't see who's taking it for them. But like them missing the playoffs, one, isn't the end of the world. It would obviously be very, very upsetting, but I'm not going to like be that as devastated. It would not be fun, but it would happen. But that's just my yeah. one disclaimer. But in terms of how the Nets got themselves back here, simply just – admitting to themselves that okay we're this basement team we're this team that really doesn't have much to offer we're going to take we're going to participate in your salary dumps we're going to take chances on right. guys that we yeah. find undervalued kind of like a moneyball esque move but not really but yeah. it it almost like the Damari Carroll trade is an ex- incredible example Damari Carroll was an overpaid mm-hmm. forward who had knee issues and he had 3 years left on his deal no two years left on his deal 30 million the nets had ca- mm-hmm. <clears throat> excuse me um they had two years 30 million left on his deal and the raptors wanted to get out of it they wanted to make other moves so the Nets said mm-hmm. that's great like we're here for you we'll take that deal but attach your first round pick to it and you know mm-hmm. you'll satisfy us <clears throat> they said fine deal the pick was 27, and it panned out to John on Musa, who hasn't done much yet, but that's still a piece. That's part of the deal. Yeah. And Damari Carroll mm-hmm. has been an integral part of this season. He has been an incredible player off the bench, a consummate veteran, and really helped establish the culture here. I mean, this season, Carroll's averaging 11 and 5 on 33% from three. It's like fine numbers, but he's playing 25 minutes a game. Right. You extrapolate right. those numbers to per 36 is averaging basically 16 and seven. So, you know, that's mm-hmm. an, the Nets took chances on guys that ended up going their way. They hit, they hit a few, I guess, lotteries in terms of Spencer right. Dinwiddie turning into a near all-star out of a G league contract. Mm-hmm. You know, now he's under contract for three more years. The D'Angelo Russell trade is the complete, you know, sign of what this Nets franchise is about. they, so they the Lakers threw in D'Angelo Russell. Yeah, exactly. And they threw in Russell. And Russell was only 21, 20 years old. He he no one knew what he would be yet, and he's turned into an all-star now. And he's the face of the franchise mm-hmm. now. Karis Levert, a late first round pick that the Nets had graded higher in their internal mock drafts, but he had foot injuries. Mm-hmm. The Nets flipped Thad yeah. Young, one of their redeemable players at the time, for a late first round pick from Indiana, and they took Karis Levert. You know, the Nets mm-hmm. have really up their ability of scouting talent, looking for diamonds in the rough and taking chances. And now, you know, I will say the one wart on Sean Marks, the GM's resume is the Alan Crabb offer sheet than trade, right. not getting a little right. bit more value for him, but like, listen, not everyone's mm-hmm. perfect, but you know, you look, I mean, 
And he's aggressive with the offer sheets too. Yeah. So it's going to get you every once in a while. Exactly. So, you know, they maybe could have gotten a little bit more value when they traded for him. But mm-hmm. regardless, the Nets now have this max contract. And ultimately, you know, I can't believe I got this far without talking about Kenny Atkinson because the yeah. guy is a mm-hmm. absolute dog. He's an absolute workhorse. He works as hard as the players do. And the culture established by the Nets with veterans like Carroll, Jared Dudley, these guys have helped set mm-hmm. the culture of the team that they everyone wants to play for each other. They play hard They every night. They might not be the best team talent-wise, but they're going to play as hard as they can and upset you, and they're going to come out and beat you. And they had yeah. some trouble earlier in their closing games, which happens with a young team that lacks all-star, you know, heralded mm-hmm. players, but they're growing, they're getting better. And I think that if you're a free agent, maybe not to the Durants of the world, but if you're a free agent right. and you see, wow, this team has like a pretty solid roster in place. They have flexibility. That the Nets have all their picks going forward and then some. They have a surplus now. You know, they're doing right. it the right way. And I think that they're in an incredibly favorable position. And now, of course, I give you that whole long spiel about how they built up this culture and you know, they're doing it the right way. They're built, they're getting these guys and they're mm-hmm. doing it the right way. And then the Knicks sit there trading away their only redeemable player getting two max spots yeah. and they'll probably end up with Durant and Kyrie. So <laughs> what, what difference you, does I it mean, make? What this, difference does I it pose make? That, I, pose, I pose that to you. Do you really think that they, I mean, I think if you don't get Durant, that trade was yes, probably I, one I, of the worst trades. I, I agree. You, you need Durant to sell that as a winning move, as a, as a if you, uh, if win you trade. Make that, you make that trade and you're not, confident and i know they came out the next day and said we're confident we're gonna get him or had someone leak it you have to say something like that but if you make that trade to free up because they already had one max spot mm-hmm. and the only rationale is kd says yeah i'll come but you need someone else and okay fine you make that trade because you know porzingis doesn't want to be there i i think porzingis yeah no i just think porzingis not wanting to be there is just again a byproduct of james dolan and how terribly he runs his organization that you can't keep the best player you've had in a long, long time happy while he's rehabbing from an injury, which is, that's just insane. And this has built up since Phil Jackson and they were about to trade him on the 2017 draft night. Like it's just a shit show of an organization that I just can't wrap my head around why Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving would want to sign on four years of their primes to play in New York city. Yeah, I agree. I do think there is a world where they do come. I can totally see it. The right. writing is mm-hmm. on the wall. It makes sense. I get it. And there's also a way where, you know, we're at July 1st or July 2nd, whatever. And they sit down with James Dolan. And they just say, I can't work for this man. He is just too despicable. Right. Yeah, there, this could happen. Yeah. And it's very possible. And I think that if Boston gets knocked out early in the playoffs, I think it's even more possible. I think that Durant is a very interesting character. You know, I can see him making this move as his next step, his LeBron-esque step. Yeah. But I do think mm-hmm. that, let's say, Boston and Golden State both go to the finals and they play. I just don't see, and I've never seen a world where the two best players on the two best teams in the league leave to then team up mm-hmm. at a third on, party on yeah. where... The team has not shown any willingness to develop a culture and a 
a redeemable roster minus the two years of mellow since Patrick mm-hmm. Ewing was playing since the mid nineties. I just, yeah. I can't actually see it. I think it's very possible. I just think in the end, I think that there's too many other things going their way. Agreed. Agreed. I think, I almost think I would say I can see Kyrie coming more than I can see Durant coming. Cause Kyrie, he just, he wants to be this leader guy. And I was defending him at first. Um, because I thought, you know, okay, he kind of realized he was that young guy who was way too self con like way too concerned with himself and he didn't see a bigger picture. And so yo, he called LeBron up to apologize and then he just can't stop talking to the media. And so every quote, every press game every post game press conference we see, he talks more and more and he just unravels more and more about how incompetent he is as a leader. So I think he's kind of like taken an, a perfect situation in my eyes in Boston. You're in a storied franchise. You have a great coach. You have a great general manager and you have young talent around you. That's proven they can do it in the playoffs. Why would you do anything to mess that up? So why he would leave that and come to New York? I don't know, but he's such a character and changes his mind on such a day-to-day basis. That I think that is more plausible than Kevin Durant winning another championship with Golden State because they probably will win it and saying, yeah, I just won, what would that be, four straight championships? Uh, and I'm straight, just going to leave straight. now. Three, three, three straight championships with him, four of the last five of that Warriors culture. And yeah, I'm just going to leave to go work for James Dolan. I think that is less yeah, plausible I mean, than it, Kyrie at this point. It makes sense why Kyrie and KD would want to team up. But I again, like, you know, we've hammered home. I just... I think that there's a point where they won't actually go through with this and it won't actually happen. And right. listen, if that's the case and Durant doesn't come, I think the trade is seen probably as a, a miss. You know, I think that they have yeah. to have on good authority. He is strongly considering going if they made a move like this. That being said, yeah. you know, if the team feels, you know, because Tank, there's a world where the Knicks could strike out on KD and Kyrie, one or both. Mm-hmm. And then they yeah. could just begin tanking and just waiting for the next superstar to come, which could happen. That won't happen because New York media and the New York fan base will not go for that. It's just not possible. It's not in James Dolan's DNA. It's on anyone in New York's DNA to tank. It just doesn't happen. So I think what could end up happening is really a spiral that could set the franchise back years where maybe you get a guy like Kemba. Don't get me wrong. Big Kemba Walker fan. He's great. But yeah, you sign. That, that's what, not, if, what if this trade yields Kemba Walker and Demarcus Cousins? Yeah, like I don't know. There's Someone a world. There's a world where day. that happens, and ultimately, I think mm-hmm. that it could really set the franchise back some because they had an opportunity with this guy with Porzingis, who had ultimately his flaws with the franchise, but mm-hmm. and it seemed like it was irredeemable. But the Knicks were shopping him first. They were looking to move on just as much as he was looking to move on. So. I think that the Knicks are in a very precarious position. They're taking a big, big, big bet on Durant coming. And if Durant doesn't come, man, that you got to feel for the New York fan base if Durant doesn't come because that, yeah, that hurts. And I can't remember a lottery that I feel like this draft lottery, like I can't even think about how anxious I'm going to be as a Knicks oh, fan we haven't for the lottery. About that. Yeah. I mean, it carries. I mean, it was, it's a good segue into the draft because we should have a, before we wrap things up, probably about 10 minutes if that works for you. Yeah, that works for NBA draft stuff. If you're watching, if you're watching some college and catching up on those guys, but I can't even imagine how anxious I'm going to be as a Knicks fan for the lottery because it just, 
it carries so much weight that this draft, Zion is so far. I'm a huge John Morant guy, and I think he's the, the clear-cut number two at this point. But Z- Zion is so far above him, not to mention the fact that you just traded for Dennis Smith, who you think is supposed to be somewhat of an asset. Mm-hmm. And you're most likely going to be going after, going after point guards, whether it's Kyrie Irving or Kemba Walker, in free agency. So drafting John Morant, that doesn't really make much sense either. And then R.J. Barrett has been less than impressive in his season at Duke. I'm way lower than I am, way lower than I was at the start of the season on him. And then Cam Reddish, who people would say is probably the next up guy that you would want, is essentially just a better version of Kevin Knox, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. So the Knicks really have nowhere to go if they don't land Zion and land the one pick. Yeah, I mean, Zion has been incredible, <laughs> incredible in college. Yeah. He's been nothing short of fantastic. All the has lived up to all the hype. If the Knicks don't pick one, though, again, I could see that as another missed opportunity. Of course, you could get R.J. Barrett. You could get John Morant at two and three, four. You could figure it out. You know, it's still an asset. But ultimately, you know, the Knicks need a guy like Zion because then it takes the pressure off of getting Durant. It it makes it so, all right, we trade Porzingis. Zion's now the guy. We're focused. We're all in on Zion. So I get that. It makes sense Mm -hmm. to me. Again, this is a... 14% 14% chance. So, you know, you can't put all your eggs in that basket because it might not happen. Yeah. Wow. Hold on. I hate to cut you off, but Shams, Shams alert. The Wizards are sending Otto Porter to the Bulls for Bobby Portis and Jabari Parker. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. Live reaction. I, I don't really know why Chicago would do that. I guess the Wizards are yeah, starting to empty the... Money. Empty the tank here. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I I think Otto can be. A yeah, good well, piece. I mean, just, I don't really. With John, I don't think he fits what they're doing right now. Yeah, I mean, Bobby Porter. I mean, Washington has to offload some salary there because Otto, right. another product of a Nets restricted offer. Um, the mm-hmm. Wizards are a mess. John Wall now is out for the next season. Like probably, Dude, uh, yeah, Wall. like he's out for a long, long time. I- so I don't know. I don't know if he's going to come back from this. <laughs> yeah, that, but I'm saying I think for a guy who plays on speed. Yeah, no, he won't be the same player. So I think if you're Washington, you have to open up some cap space. So I guess that's what it was. For sure. I don't. Yeah, I, I think I mean, Bobby that, Portis is a free agent after this year, and Jabari definitely is because he has that yeah. team option. So that's where the money works. Yeah, Jabari has that team option. Yeah, Jabari has that team option. So that's how the cap works out for this year. But yeah, I, really I that is a, bring him back. Jabari's. Yeah, that. Kind of sucks that. for, I guess, getting out of Washington's toxic. But, I mean, Otto Porter's like, he I gets mean, a bad what? rap. Otto Porter's not that bad. He's solid. No, I, 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 think, I think I would just would have hoped for his, for his sake that he would have been moved to a contender. Because I do feel like, like Portland? he can kind of contribute for, like, like Portland. Or there were some Utah talks. And all, one of those teams where he's not going to elevate them from, like, the six to the three. But just... Another piece to add is a three and D guy come playoff time. I think he could have contributed like that. Yeah, definitely. He definitely was worse than last. He definitely hasn't been as good this year, but I think that's also a product of the system that is happening in Washington right now. But that's interesting. (laughs) That's interesting. I mean, definitely. I there was the Woj tweeted about a minute before that they were in aggressive talks to trade him, and then 
Shams came through for Bobby Portis and Jabari Parker. Interesting. Definitely, <laughs> definitely not what I would have predicted. We were due. Uh, we spoke for over an hour. We needed some sort of news to break while we were talking. Right. My my biggest fear is still it's still right now. I my biggest fear is I post this and then thirty minutes later Anthony Davis. Yeah, because that was the whole meat and potatoes of our conversation. Right. Right. Uh, so. I mean, it's not really looking like that's going to happen. I feel like I think if we it have does happen, until, just, I think we like, have until tomorrow to, to okay. Yeah, I think we have like a good 12 hours till like it becomes a little sweaty. Yeah, yeah. And and at that and at that point it's like what are you going to do about it? I just didn't want to post it now and then like 9:30 he gets Yeah, exactly. That would just be like, then we then we're just like all right, well that it, it, it I don't care. I'm happy I got my words out even if it mm-hmm. it could be outdated. Yeah. For sure, for sure. And then just one final question for you in terms of draft stuff. You have any sleepers for the draft? Any guys that you kind of like that other people don't as much? Anyone name you want to throw out there in the beginning of February? Um, everyone seems to forgot about how talented Rui Hachimura was in Maui. Mm-hmm. I think, you know, he's hanging at the back of the lottery. I'm a huge Rui fan. I think he has... Great size. He is a little bit older. He's going to be 21 by the time he's drafted. But I think that he's still learning how to play the game. And the way he can handle the ball, he has a nice-looking jumper. He plays hard. I am very high on Rui Hachimura. And I'll tell you one guy I'm lower on than most people. I've watched my – I'm a go to Wisconsin. I'm a Big Ten guy. I've watched Romeo Langford play. Yeah. I just yeah. don't see it. I'm- I think that he – He's like kind of in between as like a two guard, but he likes to handle the rock. I don't know. I yeah. don't really see a real catch and shoot type of guy. He doesn't have a quick mm-hmm. release. I just don't see it. I am very low on him. I really wouldn't go near him that high in the draft. You know, of course, look, he's a freshman, so you never know. But I've been very um underwhelmed with how Romeo's played, for sure. But I think that I I mean you go. I was, yeah, I was just huge on him coming out of high school because in high school, he just like, I don't, I didn't recall him being this poor of a three point mm-hmm. shooter. So I guess that was a huge catch. I always felt he was kind of like never a knockdown guy, but off the dribble, mid thirties, mid to high thirties, which is very respectable. And he's always been just, and this is his one asset that he has going for him. He is an unreal finisher around the rim. Like his percentage two or have literally carried his percentages from three. I think he's, shooting in like the low 20s from three but somehow his field goal percentage is not that bad so he's an unreal finisher and he's really crafty in the mid-range but i'm with you on that he's definitely had an underwhelming season in indiana yeah sure. i i just was expecting a little bit more maybe a little just like more of a takeover ability which he showed in michigan state he finally got a shot to fall but ultimately i've just been a little underwhelmed yeah. with him i also think as a whole this draft is getting looks as like this awful draft, you know, and it's going to be historically bad. But I think that, you know, always you got to look through it for a different perspective. There are always going to be guys nowadays that can show you something. And I think that, you know, mm-hmm. you could still find value late in the draft. I think that there are some players that could eventually stick in the league that might not be looked yeah. at right now as top 10 talent. Yeah. I, don't, I mean, once you get outside the top, Oh, it's definitely not. It's definitely maybe. not the strongest draft, but I think that right, right, historically bad might be a little overstated. I'm interested to see like how it all breaks down as we get closer to the draft and through the tournament and such. I do think like if you're sitting at like ten or eleven or twelve, normally that's kind of like 
home run territory because you're still towards the front end of the draft. So you try to swing for the fences and get the next superstar. But I feel like if you're at like 10 or 11 and you can pick up DeAndre Hunter from Virginia and just be like, you know what? Like, yeah, he's not going to be a superstar, but he's going to be our fourth or fifth starter. Again, for yeah, like however I think many years down the line. Like, just know he can draft when it's like, okay, is this guy going to be an all-star or not? You know, of course, if you're right. picking 10, yeah. you'd like to find a guy who's near all-star talent. But mm-hmm. I think that there's room for a guy like Naz Little who might fall in the draft now to end up on a team that could develop mm-hmm. yeah. talent. Like if he falls to the back end of the lottery and ends up in like Miami or Boston, he might get a fair shot at actually reaching a ceiling than rather going forward to Chicago where he might end up getting lost in the shuffle and not actually having taking the time to develop and work with actual talent around him. Yeah, I this draft though does have one of the bigger wild cards I can remember in Kevin Porter Jr. I mean, just an absolute the definition of boomer bust. I mean, someone someone really will no take a shot at him, him closer to the top eight. I could, I could just see, it, especially with how this draft is being mocked. I could see teams not I mean, being thrilled with it and just taking a shot. Yeah, I I was super high on him in the beginning of the season because he just like he just gets buckets. Like he just knows. He knows how to create space. He does. He's not bothered by a hand in his face. He can finish. He's crafty. He's athletic. Six five for a shooting guard. I mean, he kind of really does it all. But just USC is not a great program right now. They have a bunch of issues, and I think his attitude, from what you hear, doesn't help that. I mean, everyone says talent's not his issue, and those yeah, guys he's been don't having trouble staying on the floor. Well, in the NBA, yeah. I mean, he's he's. He never start. He starts a couple games, but he wasn't the starting lineup in the beginning of the season. Despite Andy Enfield literally saying he's the most talented player I've ever coached, he still couldn't crack the starting lineup. So that tells you something. Yeah, there's something up. And there. then he had a little, he had a little injury, and then he got suspended. So, look, I have no doubt someone will take a shot on him just based off talent. But he is straight boomer bust. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I think we kind of hammered on everything. Yeah, we got a little nice live reaction from that. Yeah, we got some good conversation. I'm really happy. Good banter. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Um, and we'll always one call away. This was easy, fun. Yeah, I I tried to aim at an hour, but kind of added a five to ten difference. It could either go over or under, depending upon how long we spent on it. But it was great to have you on. A lot of fun, and hopefully we can do this again soon. I hope so, Jake. I had a great time. Yeah. All right, man. I'll see you soon. All right. Talk to you later. Soon. Yeah. All right, man. I'll see you soon.